Hello, my love, and welcome to this messy, beautiful life, the podcast. My name is Erin, and I am so, so happy to have you here. I'm a coach and mindset mentor, a recovering overthinker, an imperfect human on a journey of growth, joy, and healing, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. This podcast will explore concepts of self-development, spirituality, and harnessing our brain, body, soul connection for powerful growth and healing. It's my intention to use this space to change the narrative that says, if you are healing, you are broken, because it's just simply not true. The way I see it is that growth and healing is at the heart of us continuing to rise and evolve as humans. So if you are someone on a journey of personal growth and healing, whether it be right at the beginning or currently leveling up and really living the fact that the inner work is never truly done, then you're in the right place. And so my love, let's learn, grow, share and raise our consciousness together through the power of vulnerability and storytelling. I'm so ready for this and I hope you are too. So let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of This Messy, Beautiful Life. I'm so happy to have you here with us today and another wonderful guest that I have to share their knowledge and experience and all things healing with you today is Julie Lamb, who is a therapist and intuitive business coach. Hello, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me today. Oh, thank you so much for being here. And you are dialing in all the way from? I'm from Texas um, in the U.S. Oh. amazing it's so good to have you I love I, I say this often but I love the magic of the internet that you could be sitting there and I'm sitting here and we're in our offices and we are having this beautiful conversation together so so grateful for the internet for that perspective Julie tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do in supporting others in their healing journey Okay. I'd love to. So I started as a therapist about 20 years ago. And when I was working as a therapist, I actually worked with adoptions. So I worked with a lot of birth parents that were um, pregnant and trying to figure out their response or what they felt like was the best option for them. And I also happened to teach a group for women. It was called adults molested as children. And so I taught a big group about several groups on that, about their healing journey and helping them. And as I I felt very called to this, to helping women through the traumas that they've experienced. And as I have started my business, I started off, I opened my private practice about four and a half years ago. And I started working with a lot more trauma then. Mm. And I found that while I love therapy, I wanted to be able to reach more people and more people wanted to move past their, their trauma, past their stories. And what I found is that it kind of brought up the definition of like a big trauma and little trauma. Mm. And so something to think about with that is the big trauma might be the abuse, the um, physical, sexual, emotional abuse that people will experience often as children, um, adolescents, and then little trauma are, um, you know, perhaps you had, I'm going to call it good parents, but they said things like, you're just not good enough. You just don't know what you're doing. And then even just little stressors that we have, let's call COVID a little trauma or big trauma. It's maybe a little <laughs> and so what I found is that trauma looks the same across the board. Mm. It's just how it then impacts you and makes you show up in aspects of your life. And that was what was fascinating to me. And that's where I really started to play into more. How can I help individuals that have experienced trauma move on from it to create big, bold, amazing lives that they want. Oh, I love that. And I think this is such an important conversation because, you know, like you said, so many people say, 
I came from a good home, you know, that childhood stuff is, it doesn't apply to me, you know, there wasn't abuse, there wasn't any of that BT trauma stuff, but we now know, and even more and more research is developing and we're finding out more and more that we're also different and even sibling to sibling experiences can be different. Um, and that, that cumulative trauma um, or way of being or way of being spoken to and also the other conflicting bit, not through the necessarily bad intent of our parents, can can accumulate, accumulate, no, that's the wrong word, can, I can't even think of the word, can result in us having these patterns in adulthood that we don't often realise where they've come from. And so I think I love this work, I love this conversation, and I think it's just so important um, that we have more of these conversations. Yes. And I think it's important that it's not a taboo subject. Mm. Abuse in general or trauma is often, it's not talked about. People view it as it's a stigma. It's a problem. We just ignore it. And that's the problem is ignoring it. That's why it becomes a big concern. Why people suddenly are like, no, 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 we don't talk about that. You know, we just Mm. don't mention it. And then we're wondering, why do I feel like a screwed up adult? Why can't I do the things I'm supposed to? Why can't my business move forward? Why can't I? And it all comes back to the idea that maybe if we talked about some of this and truly let it out and healed from it, then we can move forward as well. Yes, because we know also that, well, I believe that energy is stored in our body and that trauma is then stored in our body. You know, I know it's always like, don't cry don't yell, don't whatever. Whereas actually, isn't it something like an emotion can pass in as quickly as 90 seconds if we actually allow it? Yes, that's that's actually true. They've shown that. And a lot of people think, well, that's impossible because I feel like I cry forever and ever and ever. But what it is, is if you've ever noticed crying, you'll cry and then it's like, it stops. It's like this release of energy. And then another thought comes and it releases all the tears again. Mm. Or it's the same thing with laughing. Have you ever felt like you've been laughing hysterically and then everybody stops like, oh, oh, and then we all laugh at everybody else. And that's (laughs) that's the natural response of emotions. Yes. Yes. And I, again, I love that we're learning so much more about this because, you know, it's those times too, when we hold in the cry or we hold in the scream, I think, Anger and rage has such a bad rap, get such a bad rap, especially for women, um, that we're not supposed to express rage or anger. And I really understand where there's times where it's totally not appropriate and it can manifest in other things that are very inappropriate. But this notion that we're not supposed to be angry or we, or we can't feel rage, I think that's something that I know I can particularly relate to over the time is that, and I know it's been stored in my body and it's there. And then it's this cycle in our brain that tells us we're not allowed to do that. So we hold it in and oh, that's where like road rage happens, right? Like it comes out in road rage in situations that are completely unrelated because we haven't released it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Our brain is so amazing and powerful because Mm. it has an emotional trigger response and that emotional trigger is what kicks off the rational. And so if we ever feel like our emotions are, I'm going to call it out of control, like the anger, the rage, then it kicks against the rational. And that's why we sometimes act, I'm going to call it irrationally Mm. because we're not, we're not truly understanding where does this emotion come from and what does it really mean? Yes. So when do we normally see these trauma responses show up in our lives? So the biggest thing is if you, you think about your personal relationship 
and you think about work relationships or you think about that's I, to me, the biggest place it shows up tends to be in relationships, mm. but it also shows up in just our own ability to make a decision or our own desires for what we may want to do in life. And I like to look at it and say, there are four trauma, like there's four responses essentially. So a big decision has to happen, or my partner's yelling at me, or my kids are crazy or whatever. And we have basically four responses Mm -hmm. where we either want to fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And so when we do those fourth, one of those four things, this is how it tends to show up. We all know the, like the best way to look look at this is let's pretend a bear is coming at you. Mm So he comes at you, he's coming to get you. And we all like freak out. And so you're either going to run away, which we all know is bad. We're supposed to play dead, right? (laughs) So (laughs) we all, we run away and that's the, that's the instinct to just flight to get away. Some of us will freeze. It's that deer in the headlight, like, oh crap, there's a bear. What are we going to do with this bear? Mm. Or with like the, um, where we, we fight it, you know, we think that we're, we're big and strong and we can fight this bear. You know, I haven't seen that happen yet, but we think it can happen. (laughs) And then the last one is this fawn and the fawn is, um, one where it's like, we try to head it off. We try to say, Oh, Hey bear, I'm not a big deal. It's not a problem. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. You know? And a lot of times when we think about anything in our life, any relationship, or we think about any, um, decision, we're going to have one of those responses. We're going to just say, Nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to run away from this. Or Mm. we might be like, there really isn't a decision. I don't know what you're talking about. Or we might even say something like, I'm going to just buckle in, just make one. And I'm just going to work really, really hard and hustle through it. Or the one where it's like decision. I'm sorry. I didn't know I had to make a decision. I didn't mean Mm. to. And and those are the responses that come from what we experience as trauma, either as children, adolescence, and even into adulthood. Right. So do we all have a default? Like it, is it one that we're most likely to go to or do we change? I think, I think I've seen where people have generally a default one because they've seen that it's worked. So like I think about fawn and I think about if your partner is yelling at you and you always knew that the best way to get them to stop yelling was to just head it off. Be like, I'm sorry, I did this wrong. I didn't Mm. mean to do this. So then in business, what this is, is every time we have to make a a change, you might apologize to everybody else. I'm sorry, we need to move your appointment. I didn't mean to, you know, make this, or I didn't know how this would work. And that just tends to be a natural reaction based upon the trauma that we experienced once before. Mm. So you give the example about the bear. And so am I correct in, you know, well, I, I know, I, I believe that this comes back from like our basic bodily functions that were created in a very different time in the world. Now we're living in this modern world where the world is very different, but we still have these very basic fundamental human responses, right? But is it true that they go off all the time in situations that are not necessarily as threatening as the bear, for example? Yeah, absolutely. You just, you mentioned road rage. Mm. I mean, let's think about this. It's not dangerous to drive until you make it an issue. And so we get into the car and we're just driving along and then we feel somebody cuts us off Mm. and then it becomes a, how dare they? And some of us will try to fight it. That's where the road rage comes. Some of us will be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I totally was, that was my fault. I should never have done that. Or some of us might be like, whoa, what was that? I don't, I don't understand what happened. 
And that's just normal, again, a normal response to a normal everyday activity that is, again, rooted deeply into how we have naturally always handled stressors and traumas in our life before. Mm. And you mentioned how powerful our brain is. Are these, when do these, because because these behaviours at some point are helpful to us. So when do they, what's the difference between them being helpful and them being unhelpful and how do we do something about that? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's think about the normal stress response cycle. Mm -hmm. And so we have a stressor that comes in and I'm going to use you know, as a mom, I'm highly protective of my children. I love my little girls. I would, I mama bear comes out fiercely when I hear that there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's again, a response. It's this fight response where I'm like, Nope, you gotta, I'm going to, I'm going to protect you. Yeah. Sometimes though, it's really easy in that instance where I want to protect my children to say, okay, maybe they didn't get it right. Maybe this was wrong. And maybe we can just make it all better. We try to just smooth it over. And this is, again, this is just a stressful response to an everyday situation. It wasn't like, it wasn't like there was actual maybe danger. Mm. It was just my kid came home and got a bad grade or school or, or whatever may happen. And those are sometimes our natural responses. And sometimes like he said, sometimes they're good because they make us step up and take action. And sometimes they they almost hinder us so that we don't move forward the way that we want to. Mm. So what tips do you have then for us to use these responses practically? Because I think, you know, maybe for someone listening to this, this is the first time they've heard about this, or this is the first time that they've really been able to relate this trauma response to their own life. So they go, oh, actually, yeah, when I do have an argument with my partner or in the sense of business or when I'm parenting, my gosh, such a big one in parenting, (laughs) they trigger us in so many ways. Um, You know, so maybe they're recognising for the first time, well, hang on, I do have a default setting and I can see where this might be holding me back. So awareness being the first step, of course, what are your tips then to help someone work through that? And are they different for each of the responses or are they similar? I think they're a combination. It's yeah. a combination of both similar and a little different because just like you said, you have to first figure out which one is your normal response mm. and is it an okay response in that instance? Yeah. So I'm going to take, I'd like to talk about fawn a lot, I think, cause it's not, never talked about. It's mm. just, we don't really think about it, but I'm going to use the example of you have, you have to write an email, let's say in business, or you have to do a presentation or, you know, have a difficult conversation with the boss, any of those things that essentially create some stress and some anxiety that's going on. Mm -hmm. And then you have this need to do it perfectly. This need to make sure that there's no problems, this need to make sure that everybody handles it just right. And when we do that, what happens is that the response this fawn response is essentially, Oh, I I don't know what to do. I got to make this. We first want to be able to go to our bodies. That's my, this mind body connection, go to our bodies and be able to say, wait a minute here, I'm actually safe. I'm actually okay. Like this is not a problem. And I'm going to just kind of walk myself through what if I did it this way? Like, so I, I often think like, think about in college, you have difficult roommates. We all had it, or you have a difficult partner and you're just like, I just want to yell at them one time. Mm. I just want to have a fight with them, but you know, that that's not productive. So what you do is you tend to say, okay, I'm going to pretend I have this fight with them and I'm going to get all the things out that I want to 
And it's the same thing with like this idea of fun where I'm going to say all the worst things that could potentially happen that I would normally apologize for. And then I'm going to realize I don't have to apologize for it. Hmm. I'm going to say, it's okay that this looks this way. It's okay that it's different. It's okay that it's like this and just give yourself so much love, so much grace for it. And I think, and then each response has, you know, that same idea. So I trigger and I look at the fight and I say, okay, why do I naturally fight? And I think, well, I fight because I've always had to protect myself. And I think, okay, well, that's not a bad thing to want to protect myself. And again, ask that same question. Am I safe? Mm. Yeah, I'm safe. I don't need to attack. I don't need to become a ninja warrior here. I'm safe. Okay. Why do I want to fight? Well, I feel threatened. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And honestly, a lot of times it comes back to how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. We feel like we're not okay. We're just, something's wrong with us. And that's when, again, I like to say, really, are you, are you okay? Yes, of course you're okay. Of course you're going to be okay. So each, like I said, it starts off with the first one is first being able to say with any of them, Mm. am I safe? Yeah. When you can answer that question, then you can go to, where is this like really coming from? Like, why do I want to do this? And then how do I handle that situation as it comes? Mm, Yeah. And so what if you find yourself in a situation as we all I'm sure have where we don't manage to catch it in the moment, but afterwards, pretty soon afterwards. And I think that's the difference between, you know, starting to do the work early on. We're not always going to catch it in the beginning, even down the track when we're humans, right? Having a human experience. But so I didn't catch it in the moment. I reacted in one of those four ways, which is natural for me. What do I do then? Is it the same steps to follow just post that? Actually, after you've noticed it, I tell everybody, you want to give yourself so much love Mm. for even noticing it. Yeah. Because oftentimes we'll just go and be like, why is everything still so crappy? Like, why is this just not okay? And if you just sit there and say, okay, wait, actually, no, wait. Yeah. I can see why I reacted that way. Of Mm -hmm. course I reacted that way because the stress, this trauma, this response, whatever it may be, of course I acted that way and then be able to say, okay, what would I do differently next time? How do I want to handle this? And I think a perfect example of this is when with our kids, because oftentimes mothers, we feel so incredibly guilty and awful if we ever yell at our kids, you know, Mm. because we never yell at them ever. (laughs) And so, but we feel awful about it because we're thinking, oh my gosh, I like me as a therapist, I've created a trauma response in my kids and all the problems or whatever. (laughs) But I also look at it and say, okay, so I yelled at my kids. Okay. That, you know, but okay, Julie, you were really stressed. You were, were really overwhelmed. And then I go to my kids and I say, I'm sorry, you know, this wasn't a good way for mom to handle it. And, you know, mom's learning to be better. And, you know, this is how I'll handle it in the future. And that's to me, the most healthy way to let your kids know that you know, that your emotion wasn't correct in that moment. They're fine. You know, again, they're safe and this is how we'll handle it in the future. And I think no matter what situation, that's always the way you want to go with. Mm, I love that because I think I know for me, like this one thing that weighs really heavily on me is not repeating the patterns of my childhood into my daughter's childhood. And, you know, uh, there's a whole realm of things going on. You know, she's only 18 months old, so still reasonably early in the piece and learning a lot as we go. And I am not perfect and I don't get it right. And she doesn't 
quite yet understand either. So we're in that that funny bit. But, you know, I think that's such a beautiful way of not only showing your human but role modelling then the behaviour that you'd like to see in them because we are not going to be able to create a completely trauma-free childhood for our kids. That is just not a reality. It's, I think, the skills and what you're talking about, the tools to be able to deal with these things when they come up. And I think that's something that I personally never had and wasn't really spoken about any more than too much too recently, I think. I, I agree. I even think about, you know, my childhood where it was taught emotions aren't good, like mm. just buck up and deal with it. And yeah. so then as an adult, it's like, I'm emotionally, sometimes it feels like it could be stunted. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not supposed to have emotions. <sighs> yeah. But let's be honest. Emotions are are fine. Like they're all good. There is no, no such thing as a, a good or bad emotion. They're just, mm. they're just emotions. And the minute that we can accept them and honor them and look at them in our bodies, then that's where we move forward. And so then the response of, you know, buck up, just deal with it. We can look at and say, yeah, that's really crappy advice. Like mm. that's really not helpful, but it also doesn't mean that I can't have emotions, that it can't be enough, that I can't move forward the way that I want to. Yeah. And I love what you said about treating ourselves with love and compassion. I think were the words that you use, you know, because shame is so pervasive in our, I mean, I suppose it's always has been, but particularly in our modern, modern culture, you know, particularly in social media, everyone is visible, everyone's got a comment and opinion. And I just think that has also been such a realization for me is unknowingly how much I was shaming myself when I messed up, when I got it wrong, so to speak. Um, and so I think that is just such a key part of this journey is acknowledging that we are human, we are going to make mistakes and it's not those mistakes that define us. It's what we do as a result of that. If we're wanting to be better, if we're wanting to be a better version of ourselves, I 100% agree. And I think about the trauma work I did with, um, you know, with a lot of these women that I did work with them before, and they were all told to stay quiet about their trauma. Mm. They were all told that you just have to suck it up basically is in lack of better words. And so then I just think about these conversations are so vital because none of us need to be in secrecy. None of us need to say what happened to me was okay. Yeah. And I think that that's the best way to do it is just to say, yeah, let's have this conversation and what that might look for us now. So. Yeah. And, and something to acknowledge, I think, too, is the duality in those in those discussions. Like even just going back to one of the very first things we started talking about, your parents can have been good, well-meaning, intentioned parents and still have caused you trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a workplace, if a, in a work environment, you know, a workplace can have been toxic for you without it being anything specifically targeted at you, maybe, you know, it's just wasn't right for you. And the way that you experience that is enough to say it's not okay for you. You know, it doesn't have to have been outwardly bullying or anything like that. Um, And I think that's often another thing that I see people struggling with is that duality and the ability or the, the want or the need, the feeling they need to dismiss their own feelings in that because the intent of the other person wasn't necessarily bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's just very different. I think I agree because we all sometimes want to give the benefit of the doubt Mm. 
unless we have trauma responses that tell us not to trust people mm. or not want to work with people. And when we have those responses, that's when we tend to have more of the like runaway type experiences. So in the workplace, something messy is going to come up and we're going to say, nope, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to pretend I don't know what's going on, which as we know, isn't healthy as well. And it's just, it's, again, it's that whole process of sometimes there are things that are just uncomfortable that we just have to be okay with dealing with. If we know how we're going to respond to it, if we understand our own responses, our own trauma response. Yeah, definitely. So just going a little bit on a slight little tangent, you know, when we're talking about, you know, you mentioned for the mind body connection, so, so important and actually allowing ourselves to feel in what our body is telling us in any, any different moment and being able to, I guess, regulate that through different strategies But one of the things that, you know, you were talking about is about how powerful our mind is, which we know, but I'd love to explore a little bit more this concept that also our brain and our body doesn't necessarily know the difference between a real experience or us cycling through a negative experience. So we can actually create in our own selves a recreation of an event that feels that is exactly the same as if it were happening. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. And I want to use that with the example of um, if you experienced something tragic, like on the street, like you were mugged, for instance, then oftentimes as you're walking down the street, you're afraid. You might have that natural fear in your body and you might even be thinking, I don't know why I'm afraid. Mm even if you do know the the event, but sometimes we work it up. I like to think about this the same as like watching a horror movie. I think, I think horror movies are awful. (laughs) So do I, I'm not into them. (laughs) But, but the, the, the whole thing is that a horror movie, we know intellectually that it's not true. Mm. Like we know that, but watching it, oftentimes our brain starts to say, oh no, no, this is true. It's as if we were being attacked on the street. Yeah. It's as if we were really having that happen. And so then again, using that example, whether I really was attacked or I happened to watch a movie about it, I walked down a street and I have this fear that it could happen. One of them could, one of them's real, one of them's not, but they're inside internally. I'm going to react the exact same. So I think that that's kind of a, a way to look at how our body, our mind can trick us into thinking Mm. something is going to happen. Yes. And what does it mean for our ability to be able to move on from that? Like if, if, you know, using the example, I love the example of the horror movie, it makes it really tangible. But if, if we don't even have the ability to recognize that that's what, what's triggering us, how do we even how do we possibly even make any change when we don't know why we've got this fearful kind of feeling? So I am also very much into some of the intuitive stuff that I do is to actually look at what your body is telling you about the fear. Mm. Um, I, I do a lot of human design and in human design, one of the things that they talk about is, is you do have an anxiety center, essentially is what we'll call it. (laughs) And that center essentially has gates that come from it that say, these are the things that you're more likely going to be afraid of. And then that fear, when it shows up, essentially, this is how it's going to manifest in your body. And so oftentimes I encourage every client that comes to me, whether they have anxiety or they just have doubts 
is we look really, where is this hitting in your body? Mm. And most likely fear and anxiety is going to be in your stomach. That's just kind of where they all naturally sit. And then we ask ourselves, what does that mean? Like, what is it trying to tell me? What do I need to be aware of? And so when you're afraid, sometimes going back and asking yourself, wait, what do I need to be aware of? Do I need to be aware that there is a tiger coming to get me? Or do I need to be aware that I may forget to pick my kids up from school? Like one of them is there really isn't a tiger going to attack me anytime, Mm. but forgetting to pick my kids up from school could be a potential. And that's what you're really trying to think about. What is it really trying to tell me? Mm. And it's often the thing that it presents as is often not the thing that it actually is. And that's where the importance, I guess, of doing the work and getting that support from the right people. And I love that you've just introduced this kind of concept of the, the more intuitive side of things. And I'd love to know more about how you bring together, um, you know, the more traditional talk therapy with the, the intuitive side of things, because as I've shared before on the podcast, and as I shared with you earlier, I now know that I'm such a big fan of talk therapy and therapy in general and having that support. And it's been big in my own personal life. And I also know that it's only gotten me so far. So I'm such a big fan of the bringing of things together. So tell us more about that. Uh, So the reason I love therapy, just like you mentioned, is because it does uncover these deep seated roots and beliefs. And the thing that's so you know, I got into therapy because I was like, oh, I'm going to save the world. But honestly, it helped me so much as well. It helped me to recognize my own beliefs, my own patterns, the things I did to heal from my own traumas, like all of those things. And it was interesting because when I think about therapy, I often think about the idea that we're dealing with such complex and such deep things. And all of us get to a point where we're just ready to move on Mm. from it we're ready to say, I have talked it out. I have processed it all. I have felt all the emotions. I have gone through it. I have, as I do with my clients, I've burned my letter. (laughs) I've done the things to move on. And now I'm ready to say, how does this, how do I want this to show up in my life? Mm. How do I want to now present this? And so I look at it and say, I can't tell you how many times somebody will come to me and they will say, I don't know why I feel drawn to tell you this. And they will tell me something that I just resonate with so much, whether it's a trauma response, whatever it is. And I resonate with them. And then I'm able to say, okay, what do we want to do with this now? Because in the therapy model, it's like, okay, let's dive in, go to this inner child work. And then, you know, if we did some cognitive behavioral stuff, like we can do all that. But when we go to coaching, we take some of that cognitive behavioral stuff and say, okay, now you're let it, you've let it go. How do we move forward without it stopping us? Mm. How do we create businesses that we love without these thoughts, these worries, these fears? How do we create families, connections? How do we do all that now that we know that this past isn't going to come and basically strip it from us? And so mm. that's how I, I've married them and how I love them. And I feel like that's what makes me such a really good coach is because I understand all of that behind it. And I also know when somebody gets to me that they've done that work and they're ready to just move on. But I'll be honest, I've had clients that come and they like, yeah, I've totally processed. I've totally done. I'm like, actually, no, I don't think you have, because I know I, I really truly know what it means to be still 
traumatized yeah. and I'm able to say, I think you still need to go talk to a trauma therapist. I think you need to go really work that through, uh, because I really want to make sure that even though, yes, I can do that work with you, that it doesn't cloud what we do as we move forward in coaching. Mm, because that, that trauma, you know, and, and that, whether it's big T or little T trauma, it really, again, can just be the absolute thing holding us back without mm-hmm. us even realizing what's sitting in there. So do you recommend a specific type of deep trauma work or is that really just up to the individual to figure out? Because when we talk about things like energy healing um, and things like that, sometimes there's this feeling of, again, do we need to recreate the trauma over and over again or is there a different way of actually moving that trauma? I think, I think it really does depend on the individual. Mm. So if I, I may, I'll share some of my personal experiences. Yeah, great. As I am moving like ahead in my business, I noticed this feeling of like, I have no confidence or I have Mm. no, you know, I was just really struggling there. And it came back from some trauma things that had happened from, um, you know, some things I'd experienced as a child and some things that I experienced with my parents. And I went, okay, wait, Oh, that's why I do this thing I do. And I didn't need to go back and go relive it and go like work through it because I felt like I had already, I felt like it was something I had made peace with. It was something that I could kind of understand something that I was okay with. I just need to understand that because of that aspect of my past, that's why I was showing up this way now. And I think sometimes it's, it's that aspect being able to say, okay, yeah, I don't need to go deeper with this, with whether it's with the energy work or with therapy, but now understanding it, that's why that impacts how I show up now in my life. Just like with those trauma responses, understanding it is then when we know that how we're going to show up. Yeah. And I can really relate to that too. Like, and I think, my gosh, having a business, isn't that just, you know, doing our own thing brings up all sorts of things at all the unexpected times that, you know, I even think about, um, it's a little bit of a different example, but I think about like money mindset stuff. Like I've had money mindset stuff creeping in earlier this year that kind of came out of nowhere, but I realized I'd been, you know, doing weird things um, with me. But if I was still in traditional employment, as I said, those sorts of things wouldn't really come up because I would be getting a steady paycheck. I still definitely had money mindset issues. I was still had these underlying worries about money, but I knew where the money was coming from. So it was different. And I just think there's there's nothing quite like having your own business to really stir up all these things. And when you think you've gotten over one thing, you then start to up level in your business and something else comes up. Yeah, for sure. I like to compare it to a staircase, like a spiral staircase, because oftentimes my clients will say, I've already dealt with this, Julie, I'm done with it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, yeah, but now we're looking at it from maybe a little higher perspective, a little different angle, and we have a little bit more clarity on it. And that's, and it will continue. So every time we think, oh, I'm done with it. I'm over it. I've, I've already done all the belief work. I've already done all the, you know, I've already done all that. No, as you grow and progress, it will keep coming it will show up a little differently. And that's the, just being aware of that is often um, gives you room to accept that it's okay to go through these changes and it's okay to, to not be, shall I say hundred percent healed all the time because mm. it will keep coming up. Yeah, definitely. And, and the difference is, you know, I can remember looking at other people and thinking, gosh, how are they so calm and how have they got it all figured out? How do they not react 
And I realize that it's not that they don't have these thoughts or these feelings that come up. They've just got more tools in their toolkit to be able to deal with it. And isn't that just the thing for those next level challenges? It's just, we've got the basic tools there. It's just about potentially learning some more or revisiting and using the old ones that we've got. Yeah. And it's both, I think, terrifying because you think, oh gosh, the work is never done, but it's actually, like you just said, it's so empowering and helps us in a really practical way, release this need, these needs of perfection and things having to be a certain way as well, which I really love. So Julie, I would love to know um, in all of the work you do, I'm sure that that looking after yourself um, is so important and creating your own, you know, managing your own energy and creating boundaries for yourself is so important. How do you do that? So I learned as an early therapist how to essentially leave what somebody tells me behind Mm -hmm. And how I can just leave it in like its little corner, little space, and then I can just move on with what I do. And so even now, as I do a lot more coaching and as I, um, I meet with people like in person or online, whatever I do, I tend to just feel like I've left it with that person in that space and I've separated it from me. So I do a lot of journaling with that too. So if something happens to come up and I'm like, oh, okay, I've left that, but that triggered something with me, then I do my own journaling to say, what happened? Why was I triggered? What's going on? And it's just been really, to me, that's been so powerful lately because I learned so much still, even though, yes, I've been doing this a long time. I still learn so much about myself. I still learn so much from my clients, what they share that it just, it then just feels like it fuels me as well as helps me to continue up my own spiral case. So Mm. my own spiral staircase. Yeah. I love that. I resisted journaling for so long, but there is so much power in it, isn't there? Yeah. And there's no right way to do it. I had somebody tell me, they're like, Oh, I did it wrong. And I'm like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Just the fact that you get it out. There's no wrong way. There's no right way. It's just, it's just for you. There's magic behind, behind getting what's in your brain onto paper rather than just letting it sit in your brain and ruminate and just think over and over and over again. And cycle. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many benefits to it, but I think that's such a really good one because I know in the past, these cyclic, unhelpful, unhealthy thoughts that would then keep me rotating through this, you know, dysregulated nervous system, you know, ready to pounce, fight is my normal response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, so journaling is one way to get out of my out of my brain. The other one is the other thing that you mentioned is coming back into my body and, and thinking, trying to understand where it's feeling in my body. But, you know, I think these tools, again, can be seen as a little bit woo-woo, but actually they are also grounded in, in science and research and I love that there is more and more people like you bringing these two worlds together. There's more and more people doing research that actually proves the things that feel intuitively right actually have a grounding in fact and reason and and can be proven. So I love that. I would love to know just to head us into wrapping up, what truly brings you joy in your life? And it can be work or personal. And when was the last time that you did it? So there is... Um, you know, I kind of have this feeling that every day should be a little bit of joy. It doesn't have to be magic big out there, but you find joy in little things. Mm. So I I even think get emotional when I think my little, um, my seven-year-old 
she's lost uh, four teeth really close together. So the two front teeth and then like two of the bottom things. And it's the, it's the funniest, it's the funniest smile I think I've seen <laughs> in a long time. And I just think her smile brings oh. me so much joy and her absolute love. And, you know, she gives the best hugs. And I think about, you know, I, I should say all my girls give great hugs, but it's just that whole idea of just the simplicity of that. And so I saw my daughter smile. I mean, just even today. Um, and I think that that's one of the little things. I think sometimes also the big things is when I think about my dreams and my goals and my aspirations and, you know, having this grand life and I call it grand, but it's really just a peaceful, Mm. loving life with my my husband and with my three kids and just what that looks like. So I do that. Like I said, it's a daily practice that I really strive to do because when you see what I see and work with what I do, there has to be, you have to be able to see that there is still a lot of good out there. Yeah. 100%. And our children in their purity in, in despite how they push our buttons and challenge it, but them in their joy, in their flow, in that childlike wonder, there's just, you know, not only the love that you feel for them and I can kind of, I always feel like I'm transported when you into your space when you describe that, but the way that they approach the world and isn't that just what we're trying to do is is keep that in them as adults and 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 help <laughs> nurture them and grow and obviously build up their little brains in the right way but to help them bring that wonder because I now look at you know the people I work with and myself that later in life we're trying to now revisit and go back to all of those things like you mentioned human design the things that are naturally for us our natural strategy the way that we're supposed to show up in the world that have been conditioned out of us over time. And so I think that's the one of the visions I have for the future. And it's not even the work that I do, just the way they're like, is that we are growing kids that don't have to come back to themselves because they never leave themselves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, tell us how all of the info, your info is in the show notes, but please tell us how we can get in contact with you, where you hang out most often and anything else you'd like to share. Okay. Love to. So you can find me whether on Facebook or Instagram, it's at Julie Lamb coaching, pretty simple there. My website, julielambcoaching.com. And then I have a PDF that will be linked in the show notes to kind of help you with these trauma responses as well um, that I'm excited to share. So I have a, um, I have a podcast as well. It's called what the hell is my brain doing? And so (laughs) I love love for people to you know, go ahead and listen to yeah. that because it gives us more insight into what, what that brain is doing and what we can do there. Yeah, beautiful. Because I think we all know that our brain is powerful, but it's not until we start digging into it and realizing just how powerful it is and how much it can rule us if we allow it to run away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I have loved this chat and I know that it will be extremely helpful to so many people out there who are, as I said, either dealing with this and know that it's something that they're wanting to work on or maybe may have been introduced to it for the very first time. So thank you so much for sharing all your wonderful insights with us. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, You know the drill. Uh, Let us know what you think about this episode. Don't forget to rate and share it with your friends. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.